You're listening to the Lost Chill Podcast with Katie and Kimmy. For years now, I have had the pleasure of listening to the wit, banter, and pure joy from these two, and now I invite you to share in the delight of listening to them discuss the books they're currently reading. Whether you are a fellow dedicated bibliophile or simply wish you had more time to read, you will love hearing the insight and discussions around the stories they dive into. So grab a cup of coffee or pour a glass of wine and let's jump on in. Katie and Kimmy, take it away. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Lost Chill Podcast, where the pronunciations are made up and the stars don't matter. I'm Katie. And I'm Kimmy. We are your marvelous hosts. Welcome to another episode of the Lost Chill Podcast. We can't wait to get into this week's book discussion. We've switched to every other Tuesday for releasing podcast episodes, but while you're waiting for those new episodes to drop, we will be releasing a new blog post every week. There is not an episode. Plus, you can always head over to Instagram and find us there. Over on Kimmy's Lost Chill, you can find me talking about nearly all genres of books with heavy Taylor Swift references, long, wordy reviews, everyone's favorite because after all, we're all readers, <laughs> and frequent pictures of Jackson, the Mile High Dog. He's famous, you know. True. Head over to Katie's Lost Chill for brief reviews that are always spoiler-free. Plus, plenty of my traveling adventures and my dog Wrigley coming in cute with the photo bombs. Aww. We do also have an Instagram that's dedicated to just our podcast, which of course you can find at The Lost Chill. Be sure to follow us there so you never miss all of our exciting announcements from upcoming books we'll be featuring to Zoom chats we'll be hosting with authors, plus many more fun things on the horizon. Mm -hmm. So we're so happy to have you tuning in with us. Whether it's your first episode or you've been with us here from the beginning, Please let us know that you're enjoying the Lost Chill podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more we're able to grow our podcast. So please do that. We'd appreciate it so much. All right. All right. I think it's time to get to the reason we're all here. Let's talk books. This week, we are featuring a book by Katie's all-time favorite author. Katie, would you like to do the honors? Of course I would. This week, we are going to be talking about Billy Summers, which is the latest novel from the king of writing himself, Stephen King. (laughs) (laughs) OMG, my second Stephen King. I cannot believe it. Yes, this was my carry the two. One million. (laughs) It feels like it, doesn't it? So on last week's episode, we actually discussed all things Stephen King because like I said, He is her fave, and she loves to shout him out and get others to read his work. She got me to read my first Stephen King a few years ago and is great at getting people started down down that rabbit hole. So if you haven't checked out that episode, please do so. Yep, and we had so much fun on that episode. Stephen King is one of those authors that even non-readers know about. He has something for everyone, and he writes everything so well. There's a reason he is pretty universally popular. With that being said, I do realize how intimidating he can be. So that's why we wanted to dedicate an entire episode on where to start and dive in if you haven't read any books by him, but wanted to see what all the hype was about. It's definitely a pretty solid overview of his work, but if that's still too intimidating and too much, we still got you. This week, we're focusing on just one book by him, his most recent, 
And you get the perspectives of a mega fan and a newbie. So no matter where you fall on the Stephen King spectrum, I think you will find this episode very enjoyable and informative. Of course, this is a Stephen King book, so there will be horrific, dark, potentially triggering things that we discuss in this episode. We will discuss things pretty dang in depth, but we will keep the biggest plot twist a secret. We both have so many thoughts and opinions on this one, so without further ado, let's discuss Mr. Billy Summers. (laughs) When we meet Billy, we find out that he's a hitman on the verge of retirement. He gets approached for one last job for a heftier sum than usual. We meet a bunch of people who are familiar to Billy from previous jobs, particularly Nick, who is the one with all the background info and offering the job to Billy, uh, the person who's acting as his agent. He's done previous jobs with him. When I say acting as his agent, that's part of the plan to help him get integrated. And the plan is for Billy to like act like a writer. So he's his agent for this book and the whole reason why he's in this town. They're explaining the rest of the plan to Billy, which is that the assassination will take place in the courthouse steps, so they've arranged for an office to be rented out with a prime view. Billy will be under the guise of a writer, like I said, and he will be going by the name David Lockridge. And of course, there's Kenneth, who is renting out the office space and delivering the rifle that Billy will use. As this is all being built up, we also learn that Billy dumbs himself down for these people as a bit of a defense mechanism to keep them from getting too close. Let's just break down what we have at this point. How did you feel with all this unfolding? There was a lot thrown at you pretty quick. Yeah. In this book. Um, There's a lot of relationships, a lot of characters that you kind of have to keep straight. Uh, I honestly had no idea where this was headed. Did you have any idea, like, what was going to happen at the beginning? I didn't. I thought it all sounded weird. I guess I'm not familiar with the world of assassins like that. So, like, I kind of always had the idea that it would be, like, this is your job. I don't necessarily care about any of the details or how you execute it, if you will. Yeah. And so the fact that they're like, okay, so we'll do all the work and planning for you. You just have to take the actual hit and not take the hit. The guy was taking the hit. Right. Yeah. You have to take the fall. Yeah. And that kind of thing. That was odd to me. I thought like, I don't know. That's a lot. But I mean, there was some hinky stuff going on from the jump. So, I mean, I think it was supposed to be set up that way where it's like, I'm not sure about this. And I mean, even Billy was like, this doesn't feel right. Well, not really. I don't know. It's just... I don't think he felt any red flags, though, until they were talking about the exit plan. I think you're right. Because he was so familiar with all of them. And they'd all worked together before. Except for Kenneth. Well, yeah. He he didn't like Kenneth. He did not like him at all. And that I get. And that was also weird. Like... I think he was just sleazy. He was sleazy. Yeah, and you I have like a weird gun delivery guy. He is awkward and just weird. Like I appre- like uh, they did explain it and talk about how familiar that Billy was with rifles, and I get that he can you know make the shot with nearly anything, and that was part of his skill set, I guess. But it was also weird to me that like a hired assassin would just not even have his own tools. You know what I mean? I thought that was weird. 
and rely on the sleaze ball to get it to him. And I just thought that, that was all weird. Until you said that, I didn't really think that was weird for some reason. It's weird though, right? Like when you say it, yeah, because at first I was like, okay, so they're just like providing him with everything. Like, like they're trying to make it easy for him. That's that's what I thought they were doing until obviously the plan unfolds a little bit further. But at first it was just like, oh yeah, they're just making it easy for him. They're giving him this office. They're giving him this gun. They're giving him all the things that he needs to this house to stay comfortable and get the job done. Right. I don't know. It's weird. I, I am not an assassin. <laughs> so, so, wrong, so, I mean, this could be totally normal dealings. My extent of assassins is watching it's every Finley episode. Donovan. <laughs> oh, no. I was going to say uh, watching every episode of Burn Notice. Oh, I've never seen that. I loved that show. Oh, okay. Like, ridiculously loved that show. <laughs> anyway, the other thing about Billy is that apparently he is good with everyone coming up with the full plan of how to execute the job. But the thing that's always on Billy is the escape plan. Nick calls Billy a Houdini, but offers up help out, offers to help out this time and adds that he is also included an escape plan for Billy. At this, Billy starts to get suspicious. He then starts to incorporate a false identity that he's worked on building for a while and hatching his own escape plan. The suspicion in the people he's working for builds when Kenny lets it slip that there's going to be a fire diversion in a nearby town, but Nick never mentions that to him as part of the plan. What do you think was going on at this point? Did you have any inkling why they were doing this? I mean, it sort of ties back into the beginning. It does, definitely. I will say that was probably one of the biggest clues that no one would ever get until reading the book that was like, planted but why would anyone put that together of how with that diversion there was only one news team on scene i didn't pick that up until it was right in front of me right that's what i'm saying yeah who, who would have thought that or, yeah because you didn't have all the the information all the information yeah so i guess foreshadowing instead of a real clue yeah or something yeah i did think that that is where you really start to get suspicious because Billy is not trusting the guys he knows and works with at that point. He's starting to think he can't trust them with that, like Nick and Giorgio and all that. Mm -hmm. But he's not knowing where this information is coming from or who's really behind it. But the fact that someone is communicating to Kenneth or Kenny or whatever his name is, yeah, that isn't communicating with the people who got this contract for him makes it seem bigger than those two it also doesn't make sense and i guess that's part of the clue and confusion of who not to trust but you know why is all this information trickling down and then he like how did that how do they even know to contact this weird kenny guy yeah and there was there is a lot of and how would kenny like i mean obviously kenny's just stupid and dumb and will do anything for money but right i guess that's why he trusted whoever told him about this other diversion yeah yeah i think that uh, there was too many hands in the pot. That's how it felt and why it was also weird. I wouldn't think that assassins would be comfortable right. with that. Like, like there's so many people here that he had to trust. Obviously, he wasn't. But that you have to trust that, you know, you're not going to get hung out to dry 
that they're not going to kill you, that they're not going to rat you out. I also found it a little odd how he obviously doesn't want to put all of his eggs in one basket. So he has his backup secret identity. I'm, and, but he was also worried the whole time that that would get ruined. So I'm like, why don't you have multiple of these? Just in case that one does fall through. If you yeah. already, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it's probably difficult and expensive. I'm other. sure. I mean, he was doing it for years. Yeah. Maybe he already burned all the other ones. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't know. There's. It was hard enough for him to do this one. I agree. But I was also like, don't you want something like, I mean, even if you don't have a house for every identity. Yeah. You know what I mean? But just something just in case it does go wrong. Yeah. And you can't use it anymore. But whatever. So then the hit job finally goes down. And we're not even halfway in the book at this point. 175 pages. <laughs> So ish, it all goes down. Billy, obviously, he doesn't tell Nick that he's not going to use his pre-built escape plan. So then he's avoiding them. He goes to his secret backup location to Lilo for a bit. Obviously, the police are looking for him, and he knows beforehand that they will qu- quickly know his true identity, which they do. I also kind of found that to be a big plot hole. This is not his first assassination. Assassination. This is not his first assassination. So why is the biggest cash cow he's ever gotten finally the one where his real identity slips out and he knows it will? Well, because he's being set up and because maybe he wasn't set up previously and got away with it and nobody had any reason to find his fingerprints anywhere. All right. seemed a little too easy to me, though, and weird. But... We don't really, even though we do get a glimpse, and we'll talk in a minute about that, a glimpse into his history, we still don't know, like, what kind of jobs he carried out. That's true. You know, they could have been similar to this one where he just was in an office or an apartment or a building across the street and kills somebody and doesn't really have any, he's not in there long enough to leave a trace behind. And is able to clean up quickly. I'm not an assassin. Okay. Well, I just, to me, it seemed weird. I know where he did his research. Even more. (laughs) Who who are you talking to, Stephen King? Who, what assassins do you know, sir? (laughs) Oh, God. So, yeah, whatever. I guess you can give your reasons. I still don't like it. And yes, he knew he was getting set up and it was a big setup, but it's still. Seems, I guess the whole point of this is how hinky it was. Okay, what about this? Okay. He wanted to retire. He wanted to be out of the game after this hit. Do you think that he intentionally almost did that to force himself to not be able to take any more jobs? No. Even if he was presented with another job? I also job? couldn't get down with that. I don't know. It just seems like a weird job to have like a quote unquote official <laughs> retirement from. Do you get a gold watch? A right? Retirement like, party? Is there going to be cake in the break room after? Yeah. I mean, probably not because, you know, there's a dead guy, but I don't know. <laughs> so I had to suspend some reality for this. Whatever. Back to where we were, he's hiding out because he skipped out on the escape plan they laid out for him, thinks he was set up, blah, blah, blah. Secret backup location, it only has one couple for neighbors. Otherwise, it's like completely abandoned and isolated. 
They are, of course, conveniently out of town for a cruise during this whole time. That also, way too easy and convenient for me. And of course, it would have changed what happens next if there was someone else to discover that. But I was also like, really, the entire time, too, they never come back. And she just, ha- you know, neighbor's mom just happened to die, leave an inheritance, and they go celebrate, like, the whole time during when it all went down. I don't, I don't know. <sighs> Whatever. Okay. It's a little too easy for me. That's all I'm saying. So he's all alone in basically a vacant part of town. He's pretty worried about someone finding him. So when he hears a car in the middle of the night, he's pretty on edge and definitely not expecting to witness three guys dump a female's body on the side of the road, not wanting her to be found or wake up and then have the police sniffing around and talking to him. He goes and drags the unconscious and obviously raped female into his apartment. And here we meet Alice. Yep. Oh, I had so many thoughts about this. Tell me them. I told you some of mine, like even just leading up to it. Um, I see what you mean by it being too easy. I can appreciate that if they were there and they witnessed the same thing, we wouldn't have gotten that character. So he needed some way to bring her in. I don't like how he brought her in. Yeah, that was all. I assume that is just Stephen King's beloved shock value. Yeah. Like, let's get naked awkwardly with the raped girl and make things weird and look even sketchier than they are even though you're not make the good guy quote unquote (laughs) the good guy assassin (laughs) look like he's the bad guy but really he's the good guy and let's did you ever watch dexter no no it's kind of like that like the vigilante Hmm. not really vigilante because he's being hired to to take these people out but (laughs) <laughs> he so, has a strict code. He, has, he, yeah. he will turn them down if they're not "quote unquote" bad enough Correct. for him. So I guess that's where his vigilante. Yeah, that's in. his vigilantiness. This book took a turn at this point. It did. It there there is before Alice, and there's after Alice in this book, and I struggled, struggled because I didn't. I mean, obviously how she comes into play and how she helps him and all of those things later down the road, I see why, but I also, I don't know. It's just kind of an odd relationship. It's a very odd relationship and uncomfortable and especially all the thoughts he frequently have and all the things she frequently said. Yeah. I just, there, there was... Stephen King's goal for his book as his books, as far as I'm concerned and as far as everything that I've ever read by him is purely uncomfortable and making you feel that dread and that sense of just, ugh, this just makes my skin crawl. This just makes me feel uncomfortable my skin wasn't even really crawling i had a hard time i think alice eventually grew on me a little bit but at first i thought she was just stupid why did you think she was stupid because she stayed yeah what are you gonna do leave i don't turn him in i don't know i don't know all these things like it's weird because so she knows the last thing she remembers was on a date with this guy Mm mm-hmm and that's basically it. Like, she remembers going to see to his apartment, but doesn't yeah. 
you know. And she thinks that Billy raped her. At first, at yeah. First. But then she still says she recognizes him as the guy who's wanted. Right. And all these things. And so I'm like, okay, even if you don't oh. know how you ended up with him, like, why are you still staying with the known murderer? We haven't even talked about one of the craziest parts of this book. And we, we actually don't even have it in here. What? His disguise. Oh, yeah. With his blow-up pregnant belly. <laughs> which seems completely uncomfortable, first and foremost. And his blonde wig, his mustache, his glasses, that he all of a sudden transforms himself into as Dalton Smith. And he's not... When yes. he's at this hideaway location that's very vacant and secluded and whatnot, he's constantly dressed as that persona but the night that he meets alice is obviously the middle of the night he's just wearing his underwear he doesn't have time he to doesn't pump up time. his pregnant belly yeah and run outside right so he runs outside as i mean billy that would have been funnier instead of just his boxers falling off to have his you know and belly bouncing around yeah, and getting sideways and suddenly on his side and back there and, was a little bit of that when the landlord came yeah but i don't know it's very strange have you have you seen the commercials oh you don't have cable there's commercials for this book what yes book commercials book commercials i saw it i don't i don't remember what i was watching recently but it was before i started reading this and it was a commercial and it showed a man portraying billy summers dressing up putting the belly on putting the mustache on, putting the hair on, the glasses, and like looking in the mirror. Yeah, I'll, I'll find it and I'll send it to you. Okay. Because I was just like, what the f- is this book about? And Because I, of course, went into it blind. And <laughs> I was like, what? This is, this is not like what he normally writes. Um, but we'll get to that later. Okay. I have lots to say. Before we get too much further on the present day story, let's loop back around to the secondary story that's being incorporated throughout much of this time. So if you recall Billy's cover story for why he's hanging out around the office building before the assassination was that he's a writer. Billy decides that when he does have some free time hanging out in the office building waiting for his target to show up, that he's going to try his hand on writing. He ends up writing his own story down. So we get Billy's history incorporated into this story. We learn that he's witnessed his mom's drunk asshole boyfriend beat and kill his little sister. And Billy killed the boyfriend in self-defense. Okay. Was it just me or were you getting major 11-22-63 vibes during that? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> because I was like, I feel like I've read this book before. Oh, wait. It was by Stephen King. Yeah. Um, very similar to, I can't think of that character's name. And it's like, obviously, these books are both huge and vastly different. But there is like a side quest, if you will, in eleven twenty two sixty three. There is. And so... Just that one little side quest was giving me same vibes for that. Well, I'm sure you didn't pick up on all of the Easter eggs, but much like Taylor, 
Stephen King likes to throw in a few Easter eggs for you as well, um, which I really want to talk about. We can do that. Yeah, probably. we can do that. So, uh, actually, now would probably be a good time for that. Okay. So I actually wrote them down. Oh. Because. So would you consider that an Easter egg then, or just a story line he likes to get back to? Um, similar. I would consider it kind of a little bit of both. Maybe it was intentional. Maybe it wasn't. Uh, let me pull up my notes. Hold on just a second. Okay, so here's here's what I wrote down about everything. First of all, there's two books in here that were mentioned that I thought that you might get a kick out of. He mentioned 1984 and Dr. Zavago <laughs> in <Yeah>. his book. <laughs> so, um, Sidewinder, Colorado is a made-up town. It's where the Overlook Hotel is in The Shining. Okay. The Never going to read that in my life. I have been to the Stanley Hotel, though. Have you? Mm-hmm. I have not. That's shocking. I keep trying to. I actually was looking at it this morning for like, my husband's birthday. I was surprised that you guys haven't been there together. It Something always happens, which is weird. I couldn't find a room this morning for mm. his birthday. His birthday's in October. I know. So spooky season. You know, everybody wants to go up there. Um, but, and then the last time that I had reservations for his birthday, uh, we had the floods in 2012. And so Estes Park got shut down. That's the last time so that I like tried. So you try once a decade? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's been almost 10 years. We're fine. So maybe in you know, yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I wanted to look this up, but I didn't get a chance to. And actually I didn't even remember. He mentions Byers, Colorado. I dispatch for Byers, Colorado Fire Department. Uh, That's one of our uh, eastern departments that we dispatch for. I believe that this is a real motel out there because I feel like I've taken a call there at the Pronghorn Motor Hotel in Byers, which is one of the um, places that they stayed. So I needed to research that. I didn't get a chance to. I wish I had, but that's fine. This one... Obviously, a lot of Colorado references in this book. Yeah, when he's there. Yeah. (laughs) So in The Outsider, the bad guy in that book, his name is James Holmes. I don't want to get too much into this because it's a tough subject, but Century 16 theater shooting in 2012 was um, in Aurora, Colorado. And the theater shooting suspect for that actual killing was James Holmes as well. I don't know if it's coincidence. I don't know if it's intentional. But in this book, he references Century 16 movie theater, but not in Aurora. I obviously, you know had my red flags go off right. when you said the name of that theater. But I was like, I mean, maybe it's just the name of Chains instead of the name of a specific theater. So I don't know. I don't know. But and I probably wouldn't have thought much into it had I not known about the James Holmes character in The Outsider, which eerily enough came out pretty shortly after hmm. the... Um, the theater shooting. That's weird. I like Taylor Swift's Easter eggs better. These are kind of... Creepy? 
weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, those are obviously the Overlook Hotel is mentioned as being burned down, which happened in The Shining. So he's sort of tied it back to that. Okay. Um, I didn't think you knew about that, but that's how The Shining ends. Sorry, spoiler alert. Is at the hotel. But if you haven't read it now, are yeah. you ever going to? Um, nope. So, yeah, there was. I was keeping my eye out. Can I? Okay. Those are those are all that I found. the The biggest ones he kept referring to was. Well, the only ones I like are 1984 and Doctor Z. I'm sorry, my homeboy. Sorry. Anyway, so back to the book that Billy's writing. We know how his mom lost custody and he ended up in foster care. Then he joins the military as soon as he could and his stories of being a sniper with the Marines in Fallujah and operations he worked there are told. How did you like this book within a book style? I really enjoyed it. It's very trendy right now to do that. It is. Which is whatever. I appreciate how we got to see some of the things he went through, especially in the Marines for how he like bent down to pick up that baby's shoe and it saved his life. And then when he lost it, things started going wrong. And so how he would kind of mirror that. And we figured out why he had those superstitions. I appreciated that. So I don't know. Do you like it? Yeah, it was fine. I don't care for war stories. So I got pretty bored, honestly. (laughs) Bored sounds like such a terrible word when it comes to talking about the military and those wartime, but it's it's just not my thing. And no matter how much I respect soldiers and the military and everything, it's just not my thing. And I just I just find it very difficult to stay engaged. That's fine. When those stories Did you like his other times then? I loved. So like his foster care. And I stuff. absolutely loved. And maybe because it was reminiscent of 11-22-63 with the whole That almost boyfriend. made me like it less. Because I've only read two and I get, you know, the same side quests in both of them. Well, I think that was just luck of the draw. <laughs> <laughs> because that's literally the only other ones that I can think of. All right. Well, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. So. so getting back to the current time in the story, Alice, as we mentioned before, stays with Billy. They become close and, you know, like we mentioned before, they have a very odd relationship. Billy even worries about Stockholm Syndrome internally. And he keeps being like, oh, I should probably tell Alice about this. I think she's getting it really awkwardly. But he never did. He didn't do anything to squash that. So whatever. What They had a weird relationship. She encourages his writing. And at the same time, he's more or less helping her heal and deal with her trauma of how she was gang raped by these boys and left on the side of the road. Yeah. And so he then goes and gets revenge on these assholes. Yeah. Another side quest. (laughs) Another side quest. So does he do this all the time? Have all these, you know, main plots, but you know. Yeah. Here and there. We diverge. Um. Yeah, and it. There's the abusive dad that is gone after. Like, yes, yes and no. Like, this fit very well in with Billy's vigilante 
tendencies. It, it does. He went after bad guys. He did. He did. Um, and hopefully he scared them straight because... If he didn't, oh my God. Yeah. Maybe. A little much. But I... I don't know. I don't mind the side quests. Okay. Do you? Not really. They I think fit. it adds to okay. the story. Because I feel like it, it develops the characters a little bit more. You really get a glimpse into what makes them tick and what they're willing to fight for. That's so. true. And I guess, to me, it also makes it seem more, quote-unquote, realistic. Mm-hmm. Of that, like, there is hardly anything in anyone's life where that is, like, the number one thing they all think about. Even if something takes up, like, 85% of your time, you know, and this is not something I know anything about. But say you're, like, an Olympian and mm-hmm. all you do is train and, like, go to school. But, like, you st- still somewhat have a semblance of a social life and might think that, you know, that other chick is cute or whatever and, like... To be like so so focused on just your revenge plot and not worry about all the other life that's still going on outside of your world mm-hmm. is a bit much. So I think like that he still incorporates this in and other things, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. I see what you're saying, that he, that the characters don't get tunnel vision. Yeah, that's unrealistic. That doesn't happen, I feel like. Well, I mean, the same thing can be said for books like Harry Potter because there's things that go on side quests that go on in Harry Potter too that lead up to <laughs> the grand finale of basically defeating the boss. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. the boss level. The boss level. Yeah. Um, but as far as um, Billy and Alice's relationship with the Stockholm Syndrome and his sort of internal conflict with wanting to say something and knowing that he should say something but never really getting around to doing so i truly think that he was just looking for a connection at this point because he's kind of the lone ranger wandering throughout life killing these people not really having connections maybe since the military uh he was very keen on making connections with the families in the neighborhood that he was staying in before the the hit took place and those relationships meant a lot to him and he was even thinking about how what he was going to do was going to affect them that's true so i really think that he was craving some sort of connection and that's why he was conflict conf- that's why he was conflicted because he knew that he should say something, but he just wanted to love somebody, even if it was weird. I don't know. I think it would have gone a step into protecting her like he's claimed he cared about her in that way. So let's also mention that he's like middle-aged. And yeah. She's like... He's in her his 40s. She's in her early, early 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, some people are fine with that. Yeah. And not that that's even bad, but he knew how weird it looked like when the landlord came over yeah. and caught him there and yeah. he could barely, he forgot to even put his mustache on. Right. Was like, it's my niece. And yeah. I was like, uh, okay. And just how inappropriate it looked to people. Yeah. And he also uh, realized that he was maybe seeking out a 
either a father-daughter relationship that he never experienced or that he was treating her like his dead sister. Which is also weird, but fine on its own. Yeah. But then the stuff that I think he should have protected her from and set that boundary was she kept offering to like have sex with him and was like, I will literally do anything you want. Yeah. Which was weird. It was weird. And that's when I think he should have, I mean, he doesn't have to even tell her specifically about Stockholm syndrome, but to be like, look, I care about you, but you know, you're recovering from trauma our relationship is not like that. I don't know. What I don't know. I don't know. She definitely when she kept asking or offering to have sex with him, definitely felt like she was feeling indebted to him at that point. Right. Like this is something I have to do. Yeah. Where it wasn't even like she necessarily wanted him to. Right. Right. It was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that if you need me to help yeah, you out. Yeah, it was out. just really heartbreaking, honestly. It's Two people who are very broken from different circumstances who found each other in a terrible manner that tried to make a meaningful relationship of something that really shouldn't have ever been a relationship, in my opinion. Yeah, no. Because it was inappropriate, first and foremost. But he did some bad things to a lot of people and... She was just able to really look past all of the bad things that he did to so many people, which I don't know. That doesn't seem realistic to me. That seems very Stockholm Syndrome-esque, though, because that's not just your captor. That's also your abuser. So it's getting an emotional attachment to someone regardless of the good or bad things they do. But he was never her captor. Right, and she could have left. She could have left, and he was never her abuser. He never hurt her in any way, shape, or form. So, I don't know. It was, I don't know. It was a weird relationship. So many weird things with that relationship. Finally, we end up where a lot of Stephen King's novels take place. Our home state of Colorado. Here we meet up with Bucky, who's Billy's broker. And there's a little bit of a lull here as they kind of chill out in the middle of nowhere. He'll contemplate and plan their next move, which is, of course, to go after Nick, who lives in Vegas. In Vegas, the action picks up again as Billy fights and gets into shootouts and confronts the guy who set him up. But we also find out who put the hit out on him. This all happened really fast. It did. His disguise here was also interesting. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He thought he could tan himself into being a Hispanic landscaper. He even... He did not get past one person. <laughs> he did not fool one person, I should say. I think it's funny that like, he thought that he was going to. Right. Especially because these people are looking for him. But he also touches, too, on the fact that maybe this isn't really the most appropriate disguise. Basically being blackface with tanning lotion or whatever they used. And he even like brought that up as the character saying that. So it's it's very odd. Stephen King going to do what Stephen King going to do. He, he is. And make you uncomfortable and be inappropriate. Like, whatever. 
It is what it is. Well, I guess people love it. I mean, I do, but not... <laughs> well, no, not like the specific things, but like as a whole. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So I, I still love it. I appreciated his... I kind of liked Marge. Why? Because, first of all, he didn't fool her, but she was able to not make that obvious at first. It was pretty funny. It was, it was a very... As comical as you're going to get yeah. interaction in a Stephen King novel, but... She's a pistol. Well, she had a pistol. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I don't know. I just... Whatever. Very she strange. Just, she just plays for keeps. I don't know. <laughs> she, she was a kooky old lady anyway. She was. So, basically, he has to... Does he knock her out to get past yeah, her? Yeah, he beats the crap out of her or something. Yeah. She does not lie down. She, no. She passes out for a little bit. And then... And he actually even recognizes her. She was there in the very beginning. Yes. yes. As like a waitress for when he was meeting up with Nick. Yes. Setting the At whole the original assassin up. Yeah. Assassination up. Yeah. So then um, he gets inside, whatever. They're watching a football game. Mm-hmm. Whatever. The Giants. And there's, you know, everyone goes pew, pew. And then he finally figures out that okay so remind me of this story mm-hmm. so i know this i can remember the story of who put the hit out on him being like the head honcho of the major media thing who yeah. had some weird story of yeah. killing his son because his son found out that he was a pedophile and all that but why did he want billy dead because he does not want a repeat situation of joel allen which is the blackmail that he was worried about. Does that make sense? So Joel Allen was blackmailing Clerky. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Well, you listen to the audiobook really fast. I don't remember oh. anyone's names. Okay. Um, Clerky, I think it is, or Clerk. So the the media mogul. Yeah. He was being blackmailed, and so he wanted to prevent another situation. Like that happened. Okay, so he was somehow worried that Billy would find out and then blackmail him? Yes. Correct. I feel like it Billy was a, wouldn't... Okay. Whatever. It was a CYA thing. Okay. Basically, I he mean, had been burned before, and he was basically getting them all to take each other out, and then he and Giorgio are pretty much the last one standing. What a fucking idiot. Okay. Does that make sense? Like... That he was concerned. Yes, it does. And and I get that people do that a lot in general, but then they also make it worse themselves like he obviously did. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. It was, it was just as big, basically, nothing has really happened yet, but I'm concerned that it's going to happen and go down the same route okay. of Joel Allen, and then he's back at square one and finding another person to kill Billy Summers. Okay, well... One, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Uh, So two, basically where we are in the storyline now is that he just got all this information from Nick. Leaves. I thought I didn't. I I was like, why did you leave him alive? But I guess that's how he got his money. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I didn't love that. He had to get paid. Yeah. So, but we're back on the road again going after the media mogul now. Yeah. One last bad guy. Yeah. 
And I think we'll stop there as far as the plot goes. I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. Yeah. Because there, there is a twist. Yeah. Which was fantastic. Let's just get out with it in general then. Yeah. Instead of going with that. Yeah. Stephen King is your all-time favorite author. You collect his books. You adore him so much. How did you like this book? Billy Summers. Tell me. I got to know. I did not like it. What? You didn't like it? No. I no, I didn't. I liked the first less than half where he was setting up to do the the Did kill. you like it up until Alice? I did. I did. <laughs> because I just found I don't know. It was so okay. Let me backtrack. I did not like it as a whole, but I still think that it was entertaining and well-written. Does that make sense? Sure. Yes. That I can respect it because the character development was on point. The plot was... You find it to be too easy in some situations, but it wasn't overly convoluted. It was easy to follow what was going on the majority of the time. So it was a solid book in that regard. (laughs) Because, I mean, Stephen King is a master at character development. That's why he tends to get so wordy and setting things up and whatnot. But overall, like, Alice drove me crazy for the 95% of the book that she was in. Um, She was very juvenile and just annoying to me. Um, there's, there's other things that I did not like. Um, the biggest thing was he brought up COVID and which really didn't have anything. Oh, I fucking hated that. It had zero, zero, huh? I'm all amped up now dropping the F-bombs. I know. It had zero things to do with the book. Okay. I was going to bring that up because that really grated my skin, especially more so. Like, it would have been one thing for his continual, like, they had no idea that in just eight months, this buzzing shopping mall would be completely vacant. It would be one thing if they said that, and then it overlapped with COVID. Yes. It didn't. It ended well before then. Let me give you a little bit of an insight into some of this initially this book was set in 2020 he went back and revised it after the pandemic started because a lot of these things would not have flown with the pandemic so he had to go back and revise it to be in 2019 oh too big of a challenge for him can't figure out how to make it work (laughs) i mean we could have completely ignored the pandemic and pretended like it didn't happen which i would much rather have in a book because i go to a book to get away from those things. And the so it's no secret that Stephen King hates Trump. No secret. Trump blocked him from Twitter from like, it was hilarious. It was, they were just going at it. But I don't want those digs in the book either. You know what I mean? I read somewhere, I think on Goodreads, that someone was complaining about that. Yeah. Even if they were like agreeing with him, they were saying it was too much. Yeah. But someone's response was that is how Stephen King 
grounds his books into the time period is by talking a lot about the current president. I see that he did that with, he's done that with every president. Like I completely get behind that. Are there any presidents in 112263? No. Okay. I don't think so. That, that, I mean, yeah, that would have just changed the whole plot. I'm pretty sure. I think there was like a parade maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe something. I don't know. It was in Texas. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Um, Grassy knoll. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Um, No presidents mentioned. I don't know. I just, while I, I see that in, that is a theme in his book, a common theme in his book, things that he does, it hits a little bit more close to home with everything going on right now, especially the pandemic stuff. Like that, that just it had no to be relevance. Taken out. It had no relevance. It had this no book. relevance. I didn't want to hear about it. Like I truly do use books as an escape. And I have noticed that a lot more authors are incorporating bits about the pandemic, but which is also fine, but to just, but to be completely unrelated and have no, it, it doesn't give or take away anything from the story. It's just basically, filler that reminds us oh hey we're still in this shit so that's my two cents those were the things that really grinded my gears in the book it was cringeworthy with the trump digs and stuff like that i just thought it was just poor taste being that he is so opinionated with trump whatever we're not going to get into the politics of it but yeah okay it was a solid well-written book that i did not enjoy (laughs) (laughs) i still love him but that that's also something that you know as a fan of anybody that you need to be able to be subjective and not just be like yes i loved it because he wrote it you need to look at it for what it's worth and and what it does for you I would never do that. You would never do that? I will say, <laughs> I always have the hardest time with the newest Taylor Swift stuff. I'm always like, I don't think I like this as much as the old stuff. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh, new fave. I, it's grown on me. <laughs> In yeah. Anyways. I Music is a little bit different than books because so show. it elicits a lot more feelings emotions and memories that you can tie in yeah whereas books are basically being fed to you and this is the story and this is how it is and yeah it's going to create feelings and thoughts and all of those things but i i liked obviously 11 22 63 that gets brought up a lot so would you recommend billy summers then to anyone not to or like, who would you recommend it to, if anyone at all? Assassins. Assassins. <laughs> I would recommend it to hardcore Stephen King fans. They've probably already read it, so thanks yeah. for that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> seeing as I pre-ordered my copy, um, I would also recommend it to. People who are in the mood for a slow burn of a thriller. 
very slow burn of a thriller. It was very slow at some points, lots of buildup. The The last 30 pages did make it for me. It made up a lot of what I had already thrown in the towel for for the past, you know, 480 pages. <laughs> a lot but to get through for it 30 is, good ones it is but well i like the first part too okay that's fair so i liked i liked the first part so you like 200 out of 500 yeah, plus like 200 out half of, of it 513 pages it's okay. fine it's fine i don't know i would not recommend this to a person starting out reading stephen king because this is not his best work in my eyes <laughs> Sorry, but I'm not trying to be a book badger. Okay. But I am. That's fair. But it's also, I can see the good in his, in his works too, that there's a lot better books out there that I would recommend to somebody to fall in love with Stephen King and maybe eventually just read it. Probably check out last week's episode. Probably. If you want to know which ones those are. So... I could, I could keep going on and on and give you every single thought I had yeah, about this book. Yeah, it seems like you are. But <laughs> I won't because I'm not going to make this 14-hour episode wow, about Billy Summers. that's a lot of thoughts. I, I had a lot of thoughts. Okay. I also was very happy. <laughs> no, no, no. This is completely unrelated. Oh, okay. I was very happy that we've changed our format with the show because I was able to enjoy this a lot more i didn't feel rushed and it was it was nice to soak it in okay that's all <laughs> okay all right so you you uh we're out of time uh, i'm sorry i'm just kidding this is your second stephen king novel because you returned the one to me that you were too that wasn't a novel it was a collection of short stories yeah it's still a book it was scary it was actually one of the scariest ones <laughs> i've ever read um, you mentioned a few times about how it gave you vibes of eleven twenty two sixty three, where no presidents were mentioned, <laughs> which you really did enjoy. Did you like Billy Summers? So I have a hard time, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because I have some ahem, contrarian shit tendencies, <laughs> if you will. So I'm like looking for flaws and like yeah. waiting for the whole like picking at strings, waiting for it to unravel. So there were some parts I didn't like, which we already mentioned. I think one of the parts I haven't mentioned that was almost another too easy or convenient thing for me is, you know, this book was kind of playing with, you know, good guys who do bad things for good reasons. And so, you know, he didn't know who to trust for a lot of things. Oh, but the other bad guy with a heart of gold just happens to be his accountant that he's meant a few times or his broker or whatever. And it's like, oh, that's real convenient. It's not someone else who actually works for him who will help him, for Nick, who will help him out later or something. They happen to be like the two closest on jobs. That was a little convenient for me too. But can we can we pose a question to our listeners? If you're an assassin, please contact us. No. Oh. <laughs> no. No, we don't want okay. that. Okay. If you're an assassin, you can slide into Katie's DMs. Okay. I don't want to talk to you. 
Well, I would love to Please don't hear assassinate me, though. If this is like a con... I know that there's no assassins listening to us, you but... You don't know. I don't. What if Stephen King listens to this? Is he an assassin? <laughs> no, just okay. in general. I still want to know if this is something that is... Like what you're saying, that where you have like a, a right-hand man, essentially, if that's right. normal. Like, so obviously he has someone who reaches out to him for these contracts. Is it like a handler? I don't know, but they, but no, it's Nick who comes to him with the contracts, but yeah. it's, it's, uh, Bucky who handles his accounts and tells the contractor where to pay him and all these offshore things. And like, there's a lot that goes into this, a lot of hands. Wouldn't you think that he would be really scared to have one person in control of all of his money? Yeah. But luckily for him, it was the bad guy with the heart of gold well, who just has all these random contacts. So. I mean, if you're going to have somebody in control of your money... Bad guy with a heart of gold doesn't seem that bad. Okay. The only bad guy with a heart of gold I like is Wreck-It Ralph, okay? <laughs> <laughs> she was not expecting that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So That was good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I will say, like you, it was well-written and entertaining. I listened to this. Yeah. Uh, this was... Uh, narrated by Paul Sparks, who's an actor best known for House of Cards and Boardwalk Empire. He did a phenomenal job with the specific voices and dialects of the characters to just reading the whole thing. I loved the narration. I could not stop listening to this. And I was hooked. I needed to know what happened. I was very intrigued. You call it like a slow burn. Mm -hmm. I was like... This is like a... A twisted thriller almost where when I think of thrillers for the most part, you're worried about someone coming after or getting to the main character protagonist in a way where on this one, he was very much in control all the time and putting himself in the situations. So I was like, man, this is thrilling, but it's not how you usually feel during thrillers. And you're like, who's in the house? Who's at the door? Like those kind of things. It was, yes, I enjoyed that aspect of it. And so I was definitely entertained. I needed to see what happened next. I was often mad about it and found things too easy. Didn't love it. Fucking Marge. <laughs> Fucking Marge. So there we are. Would you recommend this to somebody who doesn't necessarily read Stephen King yes, like you? Yes, I absolutely you? would. You would? Yeah. Okay. And so a few episodes ago, we talked about this. In about like new versus old books mm -hmm. by authors who have a ton of books out. Yeah. And so I have kind of seen from what I've seen so far in Bookstagram, this book is pretty split where I feel like people who like his newer stuff or don't have that much familiarity enjoyed this book where I feel like I've seen other people be like, yeah, this isn't the Stephen King I know and love. I miss this, that, or the other. I miss the paranormal. I miss the real thrills, that kind of thing. So I feel like the more familiar people are with Stephen King, the less they liked it. I can absolutely agree with that. Although, it like you see that on, on Instagram, but if you look at the Goodreads, it's hardcore Stephen King fans like myself who are just like <laughs> five stars, five stars, five stars. This is amazing. This is gospel. Hmm. You know, um, so it's, it's, I think it depends where you I look. I would recommend it. I think, I guess I would 
I would just ask a further question if someone wanted to know like, oh, hey, what Stephen King I should start with? And they were asking me with my very in-depth two out of 83, 84. <laughs> I would, you know, see like, do you like more historical or do you like more of a thriller? And mm-hmm. that would be how it is. And I get 1122, 63 is still pretty thrilling, but it's also just very historical and integrated in that way. So that might alter my very in-depth, knowledgeable, thorough Stephen King recommendations. It's so funny because out of the gazillion books that he's written in his 73 years, you've read the two books that are probably the most similar. <laughs> that is so silly. <laughs> it, it really is. Like, I can't think of any other books that are similar to these two, but they're they're probably the most similar, which is funny. But... I think it's great to have different opinions. It's okay. I think we should all think the same thing. In fact, we should just... Yeah, you're ready for my 1984 reference. I don't even have to. <laughs> <laughs> could you could you read that on my face? I inferred. You inferred. That's what you were thinking. <laughs> well, because I was a little bit pissed that you beat me to it. <laughs> yes. That's what that face was for, was, damn it, she got ahead of me. (laughs) You gotta be quick. (laughs) I know, you gotta be quick with this one, because she'll beat you to the jokes. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of the Lost Chill Podcast. Please help our podcast to reach more listeners by subscribing and leaving a review. We read every single one together and jump up and down, screaming with glee every single time. So you know we just truly appreciate it, and that is a true story, folks. (laughs) It's very true. If you can't get enough of the Lost Chill podcast, check out our website, thelostchill.com, for blog posts and more fun. Also, consider becoming a Patreon supporter for exclusive content and swag. We are constantly improving and growing our offerings, so be sure to check back often. If it's additional reviews and cute puppies that you're after, follow us on Instagram at Katie's Lost Chill and at Kimmy's Lost Chill. Follow The Lost Chill as well to get all of the latest information on upcoming books to be featured, upcoming author chats, giveaways, and so much more. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Bye. Aww.